0: It's about love today. It's about a father's love for his children. And if you think your earthly father loved you, or if you think you love your children as an earthly father, it doesn't begin to compare to the kind of love that God has for you and me. That's kind of been the theme of my preaching recently, when God asks us to do something It's because he knows it's in our best interest and he loves us and desires our happiness. When he advises us not to do something, it's because a loving father knows that doing so would do us harm and cause us pain, and he would spare us that pain. More than anything else, though, our loving father wants a relationship with us, and that relationship is deepened and made more intimate and dear through prayer. And so he commands us, Jesus commands us to pray. And and it's because he loves us and knows that in praying we'll have our needs met. Not always with earthly things, but with far more important spiritual things. Matthew 7, 7 through 12 says this, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I was always puzzled why the golden rule was tacked on to this teaching on prayer. But I think Jesus has a reason in doing so. Let's bow together. Father, as we come today, To think about prayer and the fellowship it affords us with you, our creator, our sustainer. How could we not want to deepen that relationship? How could we not want to take the time, just the little time necessary to develop a relationship with you as we would with any friend? So help us see prayer in a new light and act on it. In Jesus' name. Amen. In light of the recent decisions by the Supreme Court this week, I'm going to take a little time this, this coming week and preach on that this coming Sunday because it's the Sunday near July the 4th and we, our thoughts naturally turn to our nation and to the decisions that come down. I'll be at children's camp this week, but I hope to have some time to work on that and to think about that and to bring you a message next Sunday on being Christians in America. But today I want to talk about prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. In order to understand this, we have to realize that the one who determines the gift is God. He determines what the gifts are. But you and I determine whether or not that gift will be received. God determines the gift. You and I determine whether or not the gift will be received. Let me give you this simple analogy. I remember very distinctly before Catherine was born going into the checkout line at Walmart and seeing children pitch a fit to get a candy bar or get some chewing gum or get something in the checkout line, and they were just pitching a fit, and the parent was caving in and giving it to the child. And Susan and I looked at each other so knowingly and wisely and said, when we have a child, we will never do that. And then Catherine came. And in the checkout line, she would pitch a fit, and we were shoveling as many things as we possibly could into her mouth to get her quiet. That's the way it works. If you ever have a child, you'll remember that selfish stage they go through, 2 years old, 3 years old, 18 years old, And everything they see, they say, that's mine. I want that. That's mine. And and that might be okay around your house, but you get out in public and you're trapped between wanting your child to have what they want and knowing that you don't have the money or it might be spent more wisely elsewhere. And as parents, you have the responsibility to determine the gift, but the child determines whether or not they will receive it. Jesus is trying to explain and asking and seeking and knocking. He he gives the illustration of a parent who gets a request from a son, and he says, if your son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? Of course not. He's talking about maybe a large round stone that resembles a large round loaf of bread. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Maybe thinking of an eel or, or some other kind of fish that resembles a serpent. The answer is obvious. No parent who loves his or her child, even though they might have all the resources necessary to grant their child's every wish and every request, you're not going to give them something useless like a stone or something dangerous like a serpent. The parent will give what they determine is in the child's best interest. And then Jesus concludes it and says, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? On Wednesday nights before, I've I've done some Bible studies and talked about a familiar argument that the rabbis used often in Jesus' day. It's called from the lesser to the greater. And they would argue if something is true in this lesser sense, how much more true is it going to be in the greater sense? So if your Father... Who knows how to give good gifts to his children in the lesser? How much more so is your heavenly Father going to give good gifts to his children? That's the greater. Jesus is talking about prayer and it's the language of intimacy between you and the Father. What the Father has to give to you with what you want, how do those things line up? Are you being open and receptive to what the Father? knows is best for you. We are God's children, and we ought never be ashamed to ask for good gifts that the parent has for us, but let me frame that in a little bit different perspective because over in the Gospel of Luke, the wording is just a little bit different here in the parallel version. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says, after the same passage, asking and seeking and knocking, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give? It doesn't say good things. It says give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. We are so busy asking for good things. And God wants us to give us a good person. He wants to give us His Spirit. He wants to give us himself. And I am convinced that the more time we spend with God in prayer, the shorter our list for things will become, and the greater our list for him will become. It's not the gift God has to give, but the openness we have to receive what God knows is best for us. He wants to give you himself. And you. I heard someone say, you have as much of God as you want. You have as little of God as you want. If you want more, he'll give you more. If you want more, he's not going to hold himself back from you. And in the time of prayer and fellowship, that relationship is deepened and you receive more of him, more of his fullness, more of his spirit and the temporary, transitory things of this world diminish in the light of his glory and his smile and his face. So why then, if God has good gifts to give us and if he is waiting to give them, why does prayer go unanswered so often? What are some reasons you have heard For unanswered prayer. Take an example. You pray for somebody who has cancer to be healed and they aren't. Or you pray for a certain item to get it and you don't. Or you desire this this certain thing, this certain gift, and you don't get it. What are some reasons you've heard for that prayer going unanswered? I've heard all kinds of rationalizations and excuses. I've heard people say you didn't get what you prayed for because you didn't deserve it or you didn't get what you prayed for because you didn't pray hard enough or you didn't get what you prayed for and I've heard this, and this is probably the cruelest. You didn't get what you prayed for because you didn't have enough faith. You didn't get what you prayed for, somebody says, because God knows what's best for you better than you do. You didn't get what you prayed for because somebody else prayed for the opposite thing And they were more worthy. I've often wondered about that, how farmers who have farms side by side and one needs rain and one needs sunshine, how does God balance that out? You didn't get what you prayed for. Some people say because prayer is a sham. I mean, God doesn't really hear prayers. They're probably most devastating of all. Some people say God didn't hear your prayer because there is no God. So what do you do if you aren't satisfied with any of those answers? Well, we can either change our understanding of what it means to pray and what it means for our prayers to be answered. The only answer to prayer that we have a right to expect is more of God himself. How much grief would we save ourselves if we would accept that God's answer to prayer is more of himself and seek what he has to give, his Holy Spirit. There was an article in the Charlotte Observer years ago about a cab driver who over the years became a pretty good judge of people, a pretty good judge of character. One night he picked up a fare and it looked like a desperate man. And he carried him to this intersection and they sat there for a few minutes and then after a while went home. Well, the man called again the next night to the intersection of Providence and Queen Roads right in the middle of the city of, of Charlotte. And there they sat. And this happened for several nights in a row. For a long time, they just sat in the cab with the meter running. The man said nothing. He just stared. Well, after a while, the cabbie became suspicious because there were uh, drugstores and there were supermarkets in the area. And he began to wonder if this man was just kind of Casing out the joints, getting ready to rob them one day. And so one night he brought the man sitting at the intersection and he said, I need to excuse myself and go into this 7-Eleven and get something to drink. And inside he called the police. He called 9-Eleven he said, I've got a strange fare in my cab. And we come to the same intersection every night and sit for a long time. And I don't know what's going on. So the police arrived and they asked the man why he came to this particular intersection night after night. And the man pointed up to the stained glass window, much like that one in Myers Park United Methodist Church in downtown Charlotte. And he said, I've never had much religion and I don't know how to pray, but my wife is very sick and the doctors tell me it's bad. But I came and I found this window. And somehow when I look at the beauty of this window and the figures that are etched in it, something about it gives me strength and peace and somehow looking at it i found the words to pray what that man prayed for i don't know the words that came are really incidental but i know he received his answer of peace and strength for which he prayed and that strength and peace came from the presence of god himself and and sitting there simply being in the presence and power of God, the Holy Spirit of which that man was reminded by the sight of that beautiful stained glass window that brought that man who came to pray what he was seeking. God gave himself when the man opened himself up to pray. Some people work hard to formulate words to twist God's arm and make him do what they want him to do. But prayer is is more recognizing the power that God has. That There is someone greater than ourselves and a power greater than our own. And in that recognition, a level of dependence is built and our relationship with God is deepened. That is the asking, that is the seeking, that is the knocking that Jesus is talking about here. A fellowship with God, recognizing that there is a greater being in this universe who created us and who sustains us and who loves us and we are not here alone. And in praying we spend fellowship with Him and time with Him. And instead of asking for things we just bask in the glory and beauty of His presence. So why then are asking, seeking, and knocking even necessary if God has all of these gifts, and if he loves us and wants to bestow them upon us, why is the asking, seeking, and knocking necessary? Why would God limit himself in giving what he has to give by asking us to ask for it? Why doesn't he simply just give? I think it has to do with the freedom that I talked about last week that God created us to have. We have the freedom to choose to be in a relationship with God or to choose not to, because that's the only kind, in that freedom is the only foundation for love. We have the freedom to choose to pray. We have the freedom to choose not to pray. And God, for his own reasons and his own sovereignty and power has chosen to limit that to make himself dependent upon us to ask, and to seek, and to knock. And so he works through us. Antonio Stradivarius, Does that name familiar? What did he make? Violins, Stradivarius Violins. I remember years ago, Susan, Catherine and I were, I think it was in New York looking in a museum and we saw some, let me tell you, beautiful pieces of wood and workmanship and inlay such as I have never seen and I'd love to hear those things played because they have a tone and an intonation unlike any other violin. Antonio Stradivarius said one time, he said, God has chosen to make Stradivarius violins through Antonio Stradivarius and when a master holds between his chin and hand one of my violins, he'll be glad that Stradivarius lived and made violins and made them to the best of his ability. And should I choose to do less than my best, I should be robbing God because God will not make a Stradivarius violin without Antonio Stradivarius. God has chosen to work through us, and and I have learned this to some extent with a, with a child my my own. A lot of times, I know what Catherine wants when she comes to ask for. She seldom asks for anything, but when she does, I usually know what it is before she asks. But you know what? I still love. I still love to hear her asking. I still love to know that she's dependent. Upon asking and she knows where those good gifts come from. From the very beginning of time, it's clear that God chose not to do things by himself or in solo. He wanted to share, and he resolved that what he offered would be finished in concert with others. And that's why our asking, seeking, and knocking are so important It's the opening God desires to get his work done through us. And it's his conduit which makes him available to us and to what he has to offer us. I think that God has this great big warehouse distribution system of blessings. All kinds of blessings. All kinds of gifts. And he's just waiting for us to place the order to ship that gift directly to us. But it's not just gifts and it's not just blessings that are the best. It's more of Himself that what matters. The asking is not so much for what we want as it is for what God wills us to have. So, why is this golden rule appended to the end of this teaching on prayer? Whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want people to do unto you, do unto them. This is the law and the prophets. What's it doing here in Jesus' teaching on prayer? Well, you know my rule is when you try to interpret a verse, look at the context. Don't take a verse out of context and seek to understand it. So the context here is obviously prayer, and it's obviously the Heavenly Father's relationship to us and His desire to have that relationship deepened with us through prayer. So this golden rule, I've always thought of as how we are to treat one another. But when you realize the context is that of prayer, then maybe this golden rule also applies to how God wants us to treat Him and how He wants to treat us. The way you want God to treat you, you treat Him Is the golden rule applied to you and God. Whatsoever you would have that God would do to you, do so to Him. If you want God to spend time with you, spend time with Him. If you want God to do this for you, do that for Him. Let that relationship deepen. You, wouldn't want some, you would not want somebody to come up and force themselves You You wouldn't want someone to come up and, and force you to take something. Well, God treats us that same way. He wants us to treat each other. The willingness to receive what the other has to give is important between people. And it's also important between us and God. Whatever you want God to do for you, do so for him. So often he says, you have not, because what? You ask not. So ask big things of God. A minister tells of working in a soup kitchen to residents in an impoverished area. And all the people in that area were instructed to bring a container that held about two quarts because that would be the allotment for folks. An 11-year-old boy, ragged and dirty though, lugged in a bucket that would hold about three gallons. And the minister working at the soup kitchen said, we would have been ashamed to put only two quarts in that three gallon bucket. The, The boy came from a poor, large, impoverished family. So the minister said, we felt led to give him at least a gallon, more than twice as much as everyone else. <coughs> Why? Because he came asking for more. And I, I read that story and I thought how much like that young boy we need to be with God. He carried away twice as much as everyone else because he came asking for more. And that's what God wants to give. He wants to give us Himself, You have as much of God as you want. You have as little of God as you want. And our asking and seeking and knocking is for none other than God. He wants us to seek his face and not always his hand. He wants us to seek more of him and not just more things that pass in this world and are gone. There's no greater gift to be received than God himself and his Holy Spirit. And so let's quit carrying little containers to the throne room of God. And let's start carrying large gallon buckets and say, God, here we are. Fill us up. Use us. Send yourself to us that we might decrease and you might increase and more of you might spill out of us into this country and into this world that desperately needs to know there is a God and there is a Savior and there, are, there is good news to restore that relationship that sin has broken. We need that desperately in our world today. Let's bow together. God, we spend so much time praying for things, and we bring a list into our prayer room. And we go down that list and chalk it off, and as we receive things, we wonder when they're going to come and how they might arrive and what we can do to get more. Sometimes those things are noble, the health of a, a loved one, job security the well-being of our children, our family. And so often, too, we just pray for things that we want, so short-sighted, so temporary. So enlarge our vision and widen our bucket and help us sit down on your lap. Let you wrap your arms around us And spend time in fellowship with you. And then from that, seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, everything else will be added as it should. Teach us more about prayer. And I suppose the ultimate lesson comes from praying. Help us do more of that. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen.